Hey, welcome to the Midtown Podcast, conversations for curious people. My name is Trevor, and I'm the host of this podcast, and welcome to season two. Uh, We had a short little season one, just a few episodes trying to figure out uh, what this podcast is all about, and uh, ultimately, this podcast is an offshoot of Midtown Church. Midtown Church is a brand new church in Boise, Idaho. And uh, we, we're trying to do things a little bit differently. And so a few of our values at Midtown Church are we value dialogue over monologue, curiosity over judgment, and we value relationship over religion. Not to do away with religion, but to, to not let religion get in the way of relationships because we think that's the most important thing. Another thing that we are reimagining at Midtown is our schedule. And, and so what we're doing is we're taking a month at a time. And if the subject is just that important, we might take two months or so, but we're, we're doing kind of deeper dives into a certain subject or a topic. So for the month of May, we are talking about the Bible and here's why for many, many people, the Bible has become an obstacle to faith rather than an aid to faith. And for Midtown Church, our mission is to follow Jesus and live with purpose in community. And so following Jesus has become somewhat difficult for a lot of people, not just because of the difficult things in the Bible, but I think it has a lot to do with the church's posture toward people who have different beliefs about the Bible. I have heard so many sad, sad stories of people walking away from faith because they didn't feel like they had a place to ask questions or have doubts and to talk about some of the tricky, tricky things that they read in the Bible. And so I've been on a journey. I have been talking with a ton of people, doing a ton of research, reading the Bible for myself. And and so I want to invite you along into the conversations that I'm having, conversations about the Bible. So for the first episode of season two. I've got my friend Josh Williams. Josh is, he's a friend, but he's a mentor. He is an incredible person. And I know this may sound weird, but I'm going to say it anyway. I love the way his brain works. I love to sit down and talk with him about anything. Love to ask him questions. He is a world traveler. He is a coffee connoisseur. He is a language geek and he loves Jesus and loves the Bible. And so I am excited to invite you into our conversation about the Bible on the Midtown Podcast, Conversations for Curious People. How are you, Josh? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. It is good to be with you, friend. We've been we've been planning this for a while, trying to get you on here. You're extremely busy. Yeah. Uh, extremely. So really, thank you for your time. It is my pleasure to be here. Uh, okay. So I know, I, I'm actually, I know you. I'm hoping to know more about you from this question. What's your story? <laughs> How much time do we have? Brief, briefly, uh, but no, just a little bit of background. Um, and also then your relationship with the Bible. So when I was in high school, my family moved uh, to Yakima, Washington, and uh, there I fell in love with the church. A local church really took me in and cared for me, and God, through that, began to call me to ministry. And so as my pastor began discipling and mentoring me, I really 
If I asked him, he would disagree with this statement that I'm about to make. But, okay. but, the, but the idea that I received from him was that in order to grow spiritually, you have to know more. The more you know, the more spiritual you are. And my pastor would use Greek words. He would use these historical little tidbits to pull. And so it made me more and more and more, and more curious. Like you, I'm, I was a why kid. I always oh, yeah. wanted to know why. I yep. always wanted to know more about the stuff. So I would read I would read atlases for fun. I would read history books for fun. I'm just that kind of nerd. Oh, I wasn't that weird. <laughs> I definitely was. Okay. I definitely was no, that weird. That's good. And so uh, when I felt God calling me into ministry, I assumed that meant I needed to go do Bible study. And so uh, I came to Northwest Nazarene University and dug in. They had a specialized degree at the time, biblical literature and history. Mm-hmm. And uh, had an emphasis in uh, languages and other stuff. And uh, I'm going to say this, and you're going to sound, you're going to be impressed. Okay. But it's not that impressive. Oh, come on. Uh, I have 12 years of advanced uh, study in Bible and history and theology and languages. But that's only because I couldn't get through college and seminary very quickly. I took uh, <laughs> I took like five years of uh, of school and stretched it out to twelve years. So it sounds great. Like yeah. I have twelve years of uh, Greek translation classes and things. But <laughs> that's like the uh, Tommy Boy quote. Yeah, lots of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> yeah, but no, I but, did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I did have twelve translation classes. I did have all of this theology and all of this historical Christianity yeah. study, which really shaped me and the more that I learned the more I realized that the learning is not the end in Mm. itself just learning more stuff does not draw us closer to God what Mm. does is relationship with Jesus Mm. following Jesus as our Lord and it it took all of that time for God to get through my thick skull and into my heart mm. uh, to transform me, to help me walk this path of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not about how much you know. It's about other things which we'll get to in this uh, yeah. in our discussion, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, man. So um, we, we, we maybe should say a couple things before we really dive into this. Um, one of the things, if you're listening, I, I hope that you can approach this conversation with with an open mind Mm -hmm. well as you said earlier uh you're somebody who wants to get it right and i 100 percent appreciate that yeah well and so in in doing that what i've realized though is the end goal is not being right i think it's being involved in the process right in 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 like not knowing theology but doing theology is that a way to say it yes that's a good way to say it and one of the things we have to remember is is that theology is a very human creation. Uh, We have this idea that we have these beliefs that God set in stone that you have to accept these four or five things or these 10 things, and this is what, this is our theology. Theology is a very human creation. And the way it's developed over the centuries is that we take scripture, but then we process scripture with our reason and we process it through our tradition and we process it through our experience and as we process it these ideas come out now historically we have our predecessors our predecessor theologians we have calvin we have wesley we have augustine who have all processed it run it run it through their cultural 
preconceptions and then made these theological statements. When we criticize theological, well, criticize is the wrong word, but when we examine and Mm -hmm. maybe even pick apart some of these theological ideas, we're not doubting God. We're not picking apart the Bible. What we're picking apart is human ideas so that we can process it for our own local cultural context, but also so that we can be better disciples of Jesus Christ. The closer I believe that we can get to the teachings of Jesus lived out in our own lives, the better we will be as human beings. I like that statement. Um, So, okay, that's really great. So that's the topic of theology. So keep that in mind then while while we're having this conversation is that it's a human construct. It is. The idea of theology. Okay, so then maybe my next question is, uh, what, what is a Christian? So we've used, we've used that word a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this is, there's the idea of following Jesus is synonymous with being a Christian, but it feels like today there are so many different versions of Christianity. So to just use that as a flat word, it, it flattens the idea of Christianity. Right. 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 When, when you turn on Christian radio or you turn on Christian TV or you read a church's website, it can be a little uh, confusing at times. Uh, a lot of them have things in common about what it means to be a Christian. For example, some say, if you say the sinner's prayer, you're a Christian. Or if you accept Jesus as your personal savior, you're a Christian. But when you dig into websites uh, about churches and their belief statements, things seem to get a little more complex. It depends on the church. Mm-hmm. But like one website that I've read said, in order to be a Christian in this church, you have to believe that the Bible is 100% inerrant word of God, or you're not a true Christian. There are other uh, ministry groups that say things like, you have to believe the church is 6,000 years old. Or the earth, the yeah. Earth, the earth is 6,000 years old, or you're not a true Christian. Um, some say you have to believe in the Trinity. Some say you have to believe that the end times are here, or you have to tithe, or you have to do this, or you have to do that, or you're not a true Christian in our church's sense. And then if you listen to some preachers, it gets even a little more crazy, Uh, especially in these last six months, things have gotten a little more crazy. There are (laughs) I hate to even bring it up, but if you go online and you look up Christian preachers on YouTube, there are preachers who say, if you don't refuse the vaccination for COVID, uh, you're not a true Christian. Mm -hmm. You have to refuse it if you truly follow Christ. Um, But then there are people on the other side. There are Christian leaders on the other side that say, if you truly love your neighbor, you need to go get vaccinated. There are others who say you have to speak in tongues to be a true Christian. You have to protest this. You have to hate those people. Yeah. When we, it's really complicated to know when you listen to some of these preachers what it truly means to be a Christian. Preachers, websites, uh, friends. I mean, <laughs> you, yes. it's the knowledge is, it, it, information is just free flowing. What I want to say is you have almost as many opinions on what it means to be a Christian as you have Christians. Yeah. And it can get really confusing because you have one friend who says, man, real Christians only do this. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, if, you're, if you're a real Christian, you think like this. Um, and that is just not the case historically or I believe practically. I think we need to continue. As I said earlier, 
theology is a combination. We look at Scripture, and we look at it with our reason and our tradition and our experience. We use all of that to think through things, and it's a continual process of re-examining what we believe and what we think and comparing it with the teachings of Jesus. Mm. It's always got to come back to Jesus or we're doing it wrong. Uh, I wonder if this is worth mentioning. So even the idea or the word Christian, uh, that wasn't used in the earliest, uh, they were called followers of the The way. way. Right. So this idea that Jesus brought um, not just a, a, a theology, but he, he brought a new way to live. Right. And so people were adopting this, w- this new way of living, and they were called followers of the way, mm-hmm. um, which seems like it's a different subgroup of people than, than just maybe a label that you would put on yourself as Christian. Right, right. And even the word Christian, though, can be helpful. From what I understand, it actually means little Christ. Like oh, we're yeah. a little version we're following Jesus, so we become like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think that's helpful for for me, is it always comes back to Jesus. Now, as we talk about theology through the day, and as we look at the Bible, uh, one thing that I think is core is our foundation. What do we build our foundation on as we look at the Bible? Mm-hmm. And I believe that any theological discussion should start with God. And John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible, really provides a good foundation for us. It says, For God so loved the world that he sent his Son. This love of God is why Jesus was even sent in the first place. God's love for the world is core to everything that we do. If your theology starts somewhere else besides the love of God for the world, I think you're doing it wrong. Now, we're in my opinion, my theology. Right, right. But I, I believe this verse is a good starting place for us when we look at the world and when we look at theology. Uh, even talking about this, like we're talking about theology as being an interpretation, someone's interpretation or, or reimagining. Right. <laughs> um, I've heard a lot of translations said like for God so loved, like the sense that God's love is so big for us, mm-hmm. but it but it actually could be translated more of God loved the world in this way. Right. God loved humans this way right. that he sent that God sent his only son. Right. So even there's like a different interpretation. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And both of those are legitimate yeah. understandings of the underlying text. Uh, something this is just a total side note, but something interesting that we have to think about as we're reading the Bible is From what we understand, most likely Jesus and his disciples spoke to each other in Aramaic. But the Bible text that we have was originally written in Greek. Mm -hmm. So we're already dealing with a translation from Aramaic into Greek, and then from Greek throughout ancient Greek, throughout history, then finally into English, what what we're understanding today. So we have to hold the text a little loosely. Like, I can't, I can't give you a theological thing that relies on one word in the passage because yeah. is that really what Jesus said? We don't know exactly. Right. But we're believing and trusting. Even then, this is what Luke said Jesus said. Right. Even then, yes. Right. Luke is an interesting example because Luke it says at the beginning of his gospel, he's not an eyewitness. He's reading other other documents. He's reading other things. Uh, yeah. And then taking what he read somewhere else, bringing it into his own 
context, translating it into Greek, mm-hmm. and putting it out. But you can see, even in his writing, the painstaking effort that he's going to to like fact check himself. It's it's a little bit different than the other gospels. You right, know? right, right, right. But it's not an eyewitness testimony. Right, right, right. Versus like somebody like John who's writing. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, go. <laughs> John John is a really interesting case as well because you can see it right in the beginning. John is theologizing. Yes. John is not writing an eyewitness testimony necessarily. He's writing theology about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that seems to be a stated goal as you're reading the, the first chapter of John. But just the difference between the author's relationship with the subject, exactly. I guess is what I'm saying too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's really interesting stuff. Well, also, I want to say this too. Also, all inspired by God. Yes, yes, and I want to be clear that I 100% agree with this. And I want to, we need to think about what inspiration means. Mm-hmm. Um, when I preach, or when you preach, I, I know you well enough to know you are praying, God, speak your words through me in this moment. Inspire me, move me. But the words that come out are still in English. Yeah. And they still sound like Trevor, and yeah. they have Trevor's vocabulary. When God inspires us and speaks through us, even when we are at our most open, he's still using our words, our thoughts, our culture, our example to speak through us. So there is some sort of meat filter mm-hmm. in between the inspiration and what comes out. And I believe the same is true here. We are hearing Luke's meat filter in the middle of what God inspired him to do. So, Are you saying meat filter? I am. Okay. <laughs> That's probably a terrible way to say it. I don't know what a better way to say it I didn't is. know if you were saying me filter or meat filter. No, but it's, yeah, it, it, I got you. <laughs> no, but there, there is a, there's a human... There's a human element in it. Yes. God works alongside of humanity yeah. to bring the Bible to us, to bring his inspired word to us. Just on that point, I um, maybe I said this in the f- in first season, but you don't have to go back and listen to it. Um, Escher, Escher paintings. Um, Tim Mackey said one of the, he saw this Escher painting that his dad had, and it was the of two hands, mm-hmm. and it's one hand drawing the cuff of the sleeve of the other hand, mm-hmm. while the other hand is drawing the cuff of the sleeve of the first hand. And he said, "Man, when I saw that, finally it clicked for me." This is a beautiful idea of the authorship of the Bible, mm-hmm. that that this painting is complete, and if you took one of those elements away, it would be it wouldn't be complete. It would just be one hand drawing. But there's there's this this God inspired human written combination. This beautiful combination of 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 authorship that I, I think is really interesting this is why i think the titles of our gospels even though they're not original they're not in the original manuscript i think they're very useful for us for example is the gospel according to matthew yeah yeah it's god is working worked in and through matthew to bring this gospel to us just like we, we, and we're hoping that God will do the same with us, that he'll work in us mm-hmm. so that he can work through us to share his gospel with the world. So you're using John 3.16 as a great foundation to start. If, if you're, or maybe if you're new to the Bible, or if you're maybe wanting to, you've, you've, you've gone away from Christianity or faith for good reason, but you're maybe wanting to, to maybe a reintroduction to the Bible. Right. 
That's probably not a bad place to start. It is not a bad place to start. John 3.16, again, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. God's love is the core of why we do what we do. Um, And I think that has to be the starting point for any conversation about salvation or the Bible. Uh, In John 3.16 and 17 and 18, it goes on to say, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Mm. evangelical circles, we hear the word saved a lot. Salvation, saved. And this is a biblical word. Both Jesus and Paul use this word a lot. We are saved through Jesus Christ. But what does that word mean in context? Now, as I said earlier, uh, we are working in Greek. Mm -hmm. Jesus would have said this in Aramaic, but we're working with a text that's in Greek. And in Greek, this word has a really interesting dual meaning to it that I absolutely love. Okay, I'm excited. uh, The word in Greek is the word sozo. It's translated rightly saved. It can mean rescued. It can mean uh, redeemed. It, It has those kinds of meanings. But it's also the word used in the Bible for healing. So when Jesus heals someone, it's that same word, sozo. Now, in church history, uh, some of our ancient church fathers and mothers have used this double meaning of this word to say that when God sent his son into the world, it was not just to save it, not just to change its status, but to also heal the world. And I... I personally love this idea, and I take it on personally. I believe that God wants to work in us to bring healing so that he can work through us to reach the world. Mm. And so I love that idea here in this passage. So right here at the start, I want to say that the very concept of being saved is not as simple as some evangelicals would like us to believe. Because a typical—let me try to— frame it from from the the way that i was brought up mm-hmm. uh it it typically means or or at least it's communicated saved from hell right saved from eternal damnation right okay so you're saying there might be something different yeah it's more than just uh, as as some say it's more than just fire insurance to keep you out of hell it's not a <laughs> it's not a ticket to heaven this work that god has done in christ is supposed to change us from the inside out. Mm. Um, We talked earlier about being a better person. That is a piece of what God hopes to do through the salvation. It's not just a ticket to heaven. It's not just a change in our status from dead to life. It is a resurrection of our dead soul into a living one and is united then with God in Christ. That's beautiful. So it, it in the so then the typical idea of salvation being saved from something that's going to happen in the future when I die you're saying it's happening it can happen right now Present this tense. is a, this is a starting point um is it is is would you say it's almost like this recognition or a or a, a, I guess a decision to cuz you said Jesus as lord mm-hmm. so we hear a lot about savior so salvation and savior, those seem synonymous, mm-hmm. but now we're talking about Lord and leader. Yes, and I love what you said earlier about Christianity was originally called the way. Yeah. This moment of salvation is kind of a, one of our first steps on the journey towards Christ-likeness. It's a path that we're walking. It's not something that just snap happens. It's reorienting our life 
so that we're on a journey towards Christ-likeness. Now, oh, man. one of the verses that we love to use in evangelical school, in, and I, I, we're part of an evangelical church. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I, I'm not using that word pejoratively. Yes. It's a, uh, it's, we're people who, li- who are gospel-focused mm-hmm. and love to share the gospel. And one, in a lot of evangelical training, uh, one of the passages that they use... Uh, as a kind of a starting point, this is Romans 10:9, and I think this is a great place to start for us. It says, "If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved." There's the word "saved." There's the word "saved," which is also has a healing element to it. But the key thing is here: the piece that's our part of this puzzle is that we must declare that Jesus is Lord. Now, according to Paul, this is the starting spot for salvation. Uh, It's belief and confession. And I think it's very important what we're supposed to confess here, that Jesus is Lord. This is... This is significantly more than just a sinner's prayer. Like, uh, you've you've probably seen the the four spiritual laws, like Mm -hmm. the track that uh, if somebody reads through this, they say that they're a Christian. I think it's more than that. I think it's a lot more than just making... Uh, some claims, when we say Jesus is Lord, that has lifelong implications to it. Uh, The word Lord in this context has a a double significance. In the Greek Old Testament, which Paul quotes, the word Lord is a substitute for the name of God. So when we are confessing that, when we say Jesus is Lord, we are confessing that Jesus is, in some sense, God. The word Lord also signifies master, the one that we obey. So in making this confession, Jesus is Lord, we're saying that Jesus is my God and my leader that I will follow. This is important. Yeah. This is significantly important for us. The confession we make here is not the Bible is Lord. Oh. It's not that the USA is Lord. It's not that Paul is Lord or that Moses is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You just... uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did I just step into it? He just stepped on some toes. Well, but this is this is a great conversation because I, yeah. this is kind of a, um, a de- I guess I'm calling it a dependency. If this, then that. Right. If you believe this, then this is going to happen. So you, and I think that's your that's the goal here, or, or that's your heart. It I is. Guess, as it I would is say. very much my heart that Jesus is the core. For us, we are Christians. We are Ooh. Christ people, and so we need to have our lives shaped by Jesus Christ, and that includes reshaping how we interpret and read the Bible. Oh, this is so good. Okay, you, you, do you want to go? Keep going. I, I, yeah, I have. Okay, go, go. The Pharisees. We say that they were Jesus's greatest op- opponent in in the Bible. They do get a bad rap. They get a bad rap. (laughs) These guys... They were called... uh, Sproods of vipers and all sorts of things. (laughs) These were the people that knew the Bible the best. They wanted to know every single rule. And when we're talking Bible for them, this is the Torah. Yes, Yes. this is the Hebrew Bible. This is the Law and the Prophets. Right. And they know know it. Memorized it. They memorized it. Inside and out. Know it up because they wanted to do exactly what God wanted them to do. Yes. And Jesus, which we'll get to in a minute, critiqued that opinion. Knowing 
every word often. and letter and obeying it to the letter was something that Jesus critiqued. That's something that Jesus said, don't do it that way. And so we need to be careful in how we view the Bible because if we're viewing it like the Pharisees, then Jesus says we're doing it wrong. Yeah. I Yep. The chances are if you are somewhat legalistic about scripture, uh, going back to that one statement, um, you must believe that the Bible is 100% inerrant word of God, right? Mm-hmm. So inerrant meaning that there are no errors and that it all falls in line. And this is probably, I think a lot of people will take this as regarding history, mm-hmm. his, uh, historical accuracy, mm-hmm. uh, scientific accuracy, and spirituality mm-hmm. almost. But if if you are... If you're coming to the Bible f- with that perspective, what do you do then with these statements of Jesus? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's without error. So then, but then Jesus is saying, I mean, he has a whole lot of these with it w- in his teachings. You've heard it said, mm-hmm. but I tell you, or you've, you know that it is written, but let me give you a, a better understanding of this. Right? Yes. Is it, do you see what I'm saying? I do. I do. And that's why I want to say again that we are Christians. We're not Biblitians. Mm. <laughs> or, or, oh, and, yes. And so we continue to come back. Bibelonians? Bibelonians. That's is that a, a good one? That's a great one. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That is fantastic. Uh, so, yeah. So we want to look at all of Scripture the way that Jesus did because Jesus is our Lord. I think well, the, the thing that we need to come back to though, yeah. that ties into that is we need to keep our foundation the foundation. Yeah, Christians are, along with the whole world, loved by God. That's, the, that's our starting spot, okay. is that God loves the world so much that he sends his son. Um, if we come at this through God hates the world, uh, then we would have a dramatically different understanding of Scripture, of Jesus. But if we keep this framed in the context of God so loved the world that he sent his Son, um, that, that, that's, that's our core framing device for the whole conversation that we're having here. I hope you're enjoying this conversation I'm having with Josh about the Bible. And uh, as usual... Uh, My conversation with Josh has gone a little bit longer than anticipated, so we're going to cut this off now and we'll post the second half of this conversation in the next episode. If you are at all interested in becoming a part of the Midtown community, I would invite you to go to www.midtownchurch.us. Our website is filled with our core values and um, what we're all about. It's got our reimagined schedule and when we meet and what we do when we meet. And so go ahead and, and check that out. And if you have any questions or comments or anything, reach out to us. There's some ways to get in contact with us on the website. And thanks for being here at the Midtown Podcast.